We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com. Your home for everything Lakers. A little bonus weekend Lakers Nation podcast. You know, coming off of, well, what happened last night against the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, I thought we could use a little reflection and uh, maybe even a little bit more venting to get through that. Um, obviously, a lot of frustration out there. And you know what? You saw those of you who watched the live stream after the game saw my own frustration as well. Just like all of you, you know, I'm living and dying with every possession right now. I'm on the edge of my seat the entire game. Um, it's It's rough when you're seeing the team find ways to lose games like that but you know what a, a new day always brings some new perspective and one of the things that i've been thinking of today in terms of what's what's we what we've seen happen with this team what's real and what's not i mean all the optimism we had for this team just what a week ago you know they were on a three-game win streak things were looking good they're hitting shots the, the the camaraderie was there everything was there the vibe around this team was fantastic and now in just two games i'm seeing a lot of fans say that's it Season's over. Say, I don't want to watch this anymore. I'm not interested in watching the next game. I am out. I'm done. And, you know, they they dropped this game to Houston. And that was, as I said many times, inexcusable. There's no reason for them to have done that. That was, I think, the first game where we've seen them truly just not put forth the requisite effort to compete in an NBA basketball game. Not even to win an NBA basketball game, but just be competitive. In an NBA basketball game, that was a complete and utter failure to show up on any level. That's what we saw against Houston. And that was the gimme game on their schedule. That was the easy one. And then last night against the Mavs, so I understand why there's frustration after that Houston one. Last night against the Mavs, I also thought the energy was lacking in the first half. We saw them try to turn it on in the second half and succeed. They turned it on. They had the game won, and then they pulled a Deshaun Jackson. And they fumbled on the one-yard one line. Dropped the ball before crossing the line. Didn't break the plane. That's what we saw the Lakers do last night against the Dallas Mavericks. We saw the Lakers go up. We saw them up four late in the game. And then, of course, we all know what happened with Anthony Davis and a series of mistakes that were made. And, you know, going into this game, I said two things needed to happen. Two things. Just two. You needed to avoid the Mavs having an outlier three-point shooting game, percentage-wise, because this is a team that shoots a lot of threes. You didn't get that done. They shot 47% from three. That's how you lose to the Mavs. They have an outlier shooting game. If the Mavs shot a their normal percentage from three, the Lakers win this game fairly easily. They didn't. They shot 47% from three. That happens. But the other thing you needed was you needed Anthony Davis to be the best player on the floor. He was not. Kyrie Irving was. And not only that, but Anthony Davis made some big mistakes down the stretch that really cost the Lakers. But that got me thinking, you know, why Why is it, you know, when we've seen so many good things from this team since the trade deadline, we've seen so many great moments. We've seen so many moments where they're red hot shooting the ball. And obviously that was not the case against the Mavs. And they know showed against the Rockets. And I know how important every single game is. But it got me thinking, why, why does that have us feeling defeated and throwing our hands up in the air and saying, that's it? And I think it's a few things. Uh, and I'm going to get into some fan uh, questions and comments and things in just a moment here. But I think it's a couple things. I think that what this is, it's reverting to the team that we saw pre-trade deadline. That team that 
let's face it, they tormented Lakers fans. How many times did we see that team? And I've talked about this quite a bit, that this is effectively two different teams. What we see post-trade deadline is one Lakers team, pre-trade trade deadline, it's a completely different team. There's six different players on the roster now than there were before the trade deadline. And so they've played like a different team. They look like a different team. And so to lose the game to the Mavs the way that they did, that was a characteristic of the old Lakers, of the Lakers that we thought were gone. The Lakers that we had thought had been banished, had been killed, and yet like, like Freddie or Jason or any other nightmarish creature, here they are back from the dead to haunt us once more. That characteristic, being up, how many times have I talked about this? That Lakers team being up six with a minute and a half to go and finding a way to lose that game rather than close it out. Not being able to finish out games. This Lakers team felt like, well, they no longer had that problem. We've seen that multiple times. Close out games where the previous version of the Lakers would not. And now here we are against the Mavs. They have an opportunity to close it out. Easily should have won the game. There's no question. Should have won the game. And yet they don't. And it is, again, a characteristic of that previous version of the Lakers. And I think that's why fans have reacted so strongly and why the wound was so painful and so deep. Because we thought we had escaped. We thought we had gotten away from that version of the Lakers. That that team no longer existed. That team was dead and buried. And yet here they are, once again. It's reopening old wounds. I think that's part of the reason why we're seeing such a strong strong reaction. In addition to just, hey, everything is important right now, right? Every game matters. They've had multiple opportunities to get to 500. They've thrown those away, right? We've seen them have opportunities to move up in the standings. Everything went right around the NBA for the Lakers last night, except for their game where all they had to do was take care of business and they were up late and they still didn't do it. Yeah, all of that certainly matters. All of that context matters. All of that amplifies it. But just when fans had felt like, okay, this is a team we can get behind now. That old team, they're gone. They're not coming back. And this team, this is safe. This is safe to become invested in. This is safe to feel good about. This is a team to be proud of. And then next thing you know, there it is. Popping out of the grave. The team from months ago. And that, I think, is why we see such a a strong reaction to what happened against the Mavs and what happened against the Houston Rockets and why we're seeing so many Lakers fans that are so upset. And I said this on the post-game show. And look, I, again, I'm feeling it too. I'm right there with all of you. Um, thank thank goodness that uh, my daughter had a soccer game this morning. So I was able to kind of take my mind off of that game. That wasn't the first thing on my mind when I woke up this morning. Because that kind of game can stick with you for a long time. And that's my concern moving forward here with this Lakers team. It's how long is the hangover going to be from this game? You know, I put this out on Twitter. I said that this Lakers team has to decide the way they want the rest of the season to go. I talked about this a little bit on the postgame as well. What do they want? What do they want from this? Do they want the rest of this season to mean something or not? They have to decide because it's very much a choice. What we saw happen last night against the Mavs was a choice. It was a choice. What we saw happen against the Rockets was very clearly a choice, 100% in the Lakers' control against the Rockets, and they just did not show up. Last night as well, though, the decision-making, the opportunities to hit free throws, the Lakers chose this path. The question now is, are they going to stay on it? Or did what happened last night bother them enough for them to say, no, we're not doing this. We're not going to be that team. We're going to take the talent that we've got, and we're going to do something with it. Or are they going to go the other way and say, well, that's it. Pack it in. Because down one path lies some type of playoff run, probably at least to the play-in. Maybe you're the nine seed, maybe the 10. Maybe you can win enough games to move up to the seven or eight. I don't think the six seed is in play at this point, unless they go on some serious win streak here. But you have an opportunity to the very least be in the play-in. That's still there. That still exists. 
other teams around you have to lose games and, and all of that, but that's still a possibility. Do they want to go down that path? Or if they don't, if they decide, let's get the training camp next season, let's see what's what there, that means LeBron's season is over because he's not coming back if the plan isn't a possibility. You might as well shut down AD as well because why risk any, any further injury to his foot at this point? So they're standing on the edge right now. They're balancing right now on that edge. And they have to make the conscious choice. They have to make the decision. Do we want to go on an early vacation? Or do we want to show what we can be? Do we want to prove to the front office what this team can be? Do we want to prove why we should keep this team around? Why these guys should get paid this offseason? Why Anthony Davis can be the 1A guy? And Maybe that's a whole new discussion now. That's what's on the line right now. And they're teetering on the precipice of oblivion, of that's it. That's the end. And again, it's a conscious choice that they have to make. I think we're going to get our answer. Some people say we already got our answer. We got it last night. They chose to be done. That that's what we saw last night. I'm not ready to go that far. I will say we're going to get our answer tomorrow against the Orlando Magic. That is a team where if you look at them and you look at their record, you look at the name on the front of the jerseys and you go, Orlando Magic, they've not been very good in a long time. That's a team that you are expected to beat. That's a team that has not been good this season. But I'll tell you what, the Magic are not a tanking team. The Magic are not the Pistons. The Magic are not the Rockets. And you found a way to lose to the Rockets. The Magic are not the San Antonio Spurs. If you show up against the Magic, not prepared to play, or not with the right mindset, if you don't play with the requisite desperation that a team in their situation should play with, that we saw for spurts last night against the Mavs and not for the entire game like we needed to, if you don't play with that level of desperation, the Mavs will embarrass you. They will do that. I'm sorry, the Magic will embarrass you. So I think we're going to get our answer tomorrow. We're going to find out whether or not this Lakers team has it in them to fight. Was that embarrassing enough? What happened last night to anger them and wake them up and get them going? If the answer is no, we'll find out. And then we can start focusing on the offseason. We'll know that tomorrow. That's my belief. We're going to find out what this team is made of tomorrow. We're going to find out what they choose. Do they choose to fight or not? If they choose yes, they are every bit talented enough to win that game and move forward from there. If not, well, then we can start looking at draft prospects. We can start talking about what they should do with some of the players on the roster, who to keep, who to cut, all that kind of stuff. Make our way through. We'll see what version of the Lakers shows up on Sunday. All right. All of that being said, let's get into some fan questions and comments. Here we go. And a lot of these are going to be similar. A lot of people are very upset right now. And again, rightfully so. But I guess maybe I should stress that. Lakers fans, you have every right to be upset right now. If you're upset, you're angry, you're frustrated. You should be. You should be. Because this team is more talented than what we've seen over the last couple of games. They're better than this. That's for sure. Kasuke said, Lakers are trying to lose. You can't convince me otherwise. Uh, says that Russ looks like Westbrook. D'Angelo Russell looks like Westbrook. Yeah, D'Angelo has not shot well the last three games. Not shot well. Uh, if you look at the Lakers starting backcourt last night, it was pretty abysmal. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, who again is, is going to be a free agent, and Malik Beasley, who has a $16.5 million player option, they were combined 0 of 9 from 3. 0 of 9 from 3. On a night, the Lakers shot 5 for 20 from deep. 5 for 20. That's 25%. You make you shoot average, you win that game. Just average. Just shoot average. You win that game, and you win it fairly easily. If the Lakers shot average from 3 and the Mavs shot average from 3, the Lakers win this game in a blowout. Think about that. Instead, you got an outlier shooting performance out of the Mavs and a terrible shooting performance out of the Lakers. Jose 
uh, I believe he's saying God wants to bless this team so bad, but they just don't want the blessing. It's pathetic, and the coach is terrible. He doesn't play his Lions who want it. I'll say this. Opportunity has been pounding on the door, and the Lakers, for two games now, maybe more, can throw the Knicks game in there as well, have said, no, thank you. Not interested. Go away. That's the response from this Lakers team for these past few games, and that's what's got people concerned, and rightfully so. Good teams don't do this. Good teams fling that door open, embrace the opportunity, and they seize it. The Lakers, you know, they put their earbuds in, they turn their backs. Got to find a way to fix that. Salam said, this game was lost to the free throw line, not just AD. Austin missing cost free throws as well. Master locked the team at the free throw line. Agreed. Free throw shooting was atrocious. That's why I was disappointed the Lakers were not practicing today and not having shoot around tomorrow. That means the guys are going to have to individually work on their free throw shooting and get their heads right. No practice today. No shoot around tomorrow. We'll see how that looks against Orlando. Jonathan T. Houston loss feeling more disrespectful by the day. Absolutely. The Houston loss stings even more because you also lost this game against the Mavs. These are two games in a row that were handed to you. You were good. And the Lakers turned them both down. Here's a win. The Lakers said, no, thank you. Don't want them. Dimitri. Lakers fans crucified Russ whenever he shot as poorly as D'Lo has these last three games. Where's the D'Lo criticism? This loss and the last was on him. I will say I think D'Lo's shot selection is a bit better than Russ's, although, but the point is still fair. D'Lo has not shot the ball well. Three games has not shot the ball well and three games where the Lakers needed to be, particularly against Houston. My goodness, they needed no AD, no LeBron. Hey, D'Lo, here's the spotlight. Step into it. He did not. Hey, D'Angelo Russell. We're not shooting well from three. We need you to knock in a few. He did not. Now, I'm not saying he's choosing to miss threes. He's on purpose missing them, but just a decent three. I mean, if D'Angelo Russell is, instead of 0 for 6 from three last night, if he is 1 for 6, the Lakers win the game. You need to be able to depend on him to at least hit one. At least one. You need him to step up. Uh, Renfam, AD, Wenyon, and Reeves missed nine free throws. And again, AD didn't have a terrible free throw. Eight for 11. That's not terrible from AD. But the missed free throws added up and really hurt you in this game. Really hurt you. M. Dredd. Sean spaces Davis. No excuse for AD. Losses on him. Sean was putting more of the blame on the free throw shooting in the postgame show uh, over AD. I, I said the same thing as the comment here. I said, you cannot take this off of Anthony Davis. Like, it, yes, the free throw shooting was a big problem. You could say it was more of a problem than AD, but... By no means does that mean AD was not to blame here. Your 1A star, your guy who's making $40 million, can't do the stuff that he did at the end of the game. Just can't. Simply cannot have it. Chris, AD 100% lost us this game. Sean's delusional. YouTube watcher said this game is on AD. I don't care that the team played bad. He had multiple chances to bail the team out down the stretch and did the complete opposite. Yeah, and that's what he should be doing, right? Is bailing the team out. The superstar is the guy that you're supposed to look to. When everything's falling apart, this is the guy that stands up and says, it's okay, I'm here, and leads them to victory. Like Magic Johnson, when Kareem sprained his ankle way back when, getting on the plane and said, never fear, I'm here. And then playing center to win an NBA championship. That's what you expect superstars to do. Maybe they do it in different ways. The way LeBron would do it, it's different than the way Kobe would do it. It's different than the way Magic would do it. It's different than the way Kareem would do it than Wilt. Everybody does it in their own way. But what a superstar does is when things aren't going right, they say, I've got this. I'm going to take over defensively. I'm going to take over on the boards. I'm going to take over scoring. I'm going to hit threes. I'm going to get to the free throw line. Whatever it is, they find a way. We did not see Anthony Davis do that last night. We didn't. Can't have that out of a superstar. Jared Chalker, when he needs to pull a dream on and lay out AD for that one, Man, that that is that that's going a little bit far. Ad, advocating teammate on teammate violence here, absolutely shocking and stupid. This one hurts, uh, and you can't not blame uh, AD. Absolute dumb butt decision. Yep, yeah, terrible decision making down the stretch there. Jordan says, "Can we speak about how D'Lo, despite being 0 for five from three, decided to shoot another three with 17 seconds left, up four? I mean, that would have been the dagger 
if he hit it, he was also open. I, I understood that. And I think he's got to have the confidence to take that shot. But hindsight being that he missed it, yeah, would have preferred would have preferred the ball to go through AD. And, and Jordan mentions no one should be taking that shot but AD. I would have liked to have seen Anthony Davis a bit more involved on the offensive end late in the game rather than Schroeder pull-up jumper from the baseline, D'Lo pull-up jumpers, right? Like, that's where AD needs to get the ball and say, get out of my way. Get out of my way. I don't even settle for the jumper. Just give me the ball, and I'm going to the basket. And we didn't see that. Uh, Jalen, AD needs to go. Fading away in the clutch. He's not worth the price of admission at this point. Inconsistent effort. Low motor. Not a leader. You know, look, It's I don't want to take just one game and just bury Anthony Davis because of that. He absolutely made mistakes. He is 100% um, it, it, to blame here. Um or at least take a big part of the blame, like the free throw shooting is another part of it. There's a lot of other things we can look at too. So maybe I shouldn't say 100% to blame, but this is not not Anthony Davis's fault, right? What happened? Because again, the plays that he made down the stretch were that egregious, but I don't know what AD's future looks like. It probably depends on what happens from here, but this whole season was a test to find out what AD is. Is he the next torchbearer for the Lakers? Is he the guy that LeBron's going to hand the torch to? This is multiple times this season that this has happened. In fact, they have literally lost this exact way, exact way, this season against Indiana. Same play, three hit from the same spot. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Unbelievable. Sean, foul instead of letting them shoot the three. So I understand. Hindsight being 20-20. Yeah, foul them when Kyrie's in the paint. But you're up two. If you were up three and Kyrie goes into the paint, then hack away 100%. Right? But you were only up two because AD missed a free throw. Which, by the way, if AD makes both those free throws, the play, the Mavs are going to run a different play because they're hunting for a three. A two isn't an option for them. The play they ran was because a two was an option. But nonetheless, yes, if they were up three and they dribbled into the paint, foul them immediately. Don't let the shot get up. Foul them before they can kick out to a three. I believe in that. Um, but hindsight being 2020, yes, they would have been better off. The Lakers would have been better off just fouling the Mavs the second they get anywhere close enough to shoot. Give Kyrie two free throws, say he makes them both. And then you have like three seconds and a chance to win the game. That would have been preferable. But had they done that in that moment, we would have said, what are you doing? Why would you, why would you foul right there, especially on the ground? Hindsight says, yes, that was the correct play. But if you are planning this out, you don't want to foul there. You want to force the Mavs to take a tough shot. Now, what you want to do is overplay the three and make them take a tough contested look from two. So worst case, you're going to overtime. Instead, Anthony Davis again made the mistake, dropped into the paint too far, and gave up the three. That's the one. Just don't give up a three. You're look, even if it means you go hands off on a drive so you don't accidentally commit the end one foul and you give up a layup, that is preferable to giving up the wide open three because that causes you to lose. And that's what we saw happen. Braun said, sign and trade D for Kyrie. So we're going to need to talk about that. And I've got um, a few other comments that get into this, but that is a difficult thing to do. 
And I've got another one that's going to mention this, and I want to get to that in, in just a moment because I want to get into the actual numbers so you can understand why I'm not in favor of that because I got a lot of people telling me that's what they should do. Stanley said, sign another big. Will Braun come back earlier? LeBron's going to get reevaluated, and that's going to determine when he comes back. I think he's getting reevaluated on like the 23rd, maybe 24th. So coming up, he's going to get reevaluated, and then he'll go from there. I, I don't think he's back right after he gets reevaluated. He's got to get the green light and then ramp up, and that's going to take some time. It's not going to be quick for him to come back. Uh, Kasuki said, um, medical staff also sucks. LeBron, just go make another movie. Uh, already dressing like he's waiting for the Matrix. Oh, because he was in black and wearing sunglasses. Clearly, no sense of urgency to get back. Kasuki, I mean, I don't look at what LeBron is wearing courtside as an indication of how serious he is about getting back. Teammates were talking about him going through three rehab sessions a day right now to try to get back. I believe LeBron is doing everything he possibly can to get back. I don't think his clothing while sitting on the sidelines can reflect what he's doing in the training room. That, But that's just me. The tactical farmer. The only thing I put on him is the play with Austin Reeves inbound to AD. Rather have Austin Reeves get the inbound pass and go to the line than AD. Oh, agreed. Yeah, agreed. In fact, I, I would even contend that given the way Austin was shooting, I wanted Dennis to get the ball. I wanted Dennis to be the one to get fouled and shoot the two free throws. He was the one that I had the most confidence in. I was worried as soon as the ball went to AD, I went, uh-oh, because we've seen him in this position before and it hasn't worked out well. And that's what happened again. Missed one of the two. Jerome, I'm having a hard time digesting this one, to be honest. My mental is being affected. Need to drive around just to get through this. Agreed. And that's part of why I'm doing this extra podcast is to try to talk through this, get everybody through this, so hopefully we can refocus on to uh, tomorrow's game against Orlando and uh, and talk a bit about that and you know get past this and not dwell on this over the weekend because this is, it, it was so horrific what happened that it's very easy for this to just linger and kind of bleed through to other parts of your life, other parts of your day. And uh, yeah, maybe that's part of why I wanted to do this extra show is for me, even personally, to get through this. Muhammad, we had so many calls go our way and couldn't capitalize. Our seeding competitors all lost and we lost with them. Just terrible. Save us, LeBron. Nothing to argue with there. Just did not ca capitalize. Had opportunities. Opportunity pounded on the door. Lakers said, la, 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 la. Can't hear you. Avi B, KG has a conspiracy theory that the front office is evaluating AD to see how he performs without LeBron. If he's trash like tonight, they're shipping him. Thoughts? I agree. I disagree. I don't. If LeBron is healthy and able to play, he's on the floor. They're playing him right now. Are you kidding? If the Lakers, like, if the Lakers lose enough, they drop out of the play-in. You think the Lakers want to lose playoff revenue by not playing LeBron? They're, LeBron is healthy right now, and he's able to play. And you're just saying, no, let's see what AD has. Let's risk losing playoff revenue. No, of course not. Of course not. If LeBron was able to play, he'd be playing right now. Businessman said, I'm so hot. Assuming he's talking about how angry he is. Though I don't know. Can't see what he looks like. But why doesn't Ham trust Walker, Beasley, or Vando? D'Lo should have been out of there. He clearly was cold. Are we looking for a new coach yet? Yeah, I mean, that was the one thought that I had was when we were talking about who you could pull, we were talking about this live over on playback, playback.tv slash Lakers nations, where we watch all the games live. We commiserate, we get through it together, celebrate when they win. But you know, you watch that and we've talked all about how Darvin Ham has been maybe sticking with players who simply don't have it. Um, Dennis was a guy who didn't have it. I thought through a good chunk of the game and then did some big things in the fourth quarter that helped the Lakers out. Also missed some, some shots late though, but We've also seen him rely on Malik Beasley for too many minutes, and Beasley's minutes got cut down a bit here. But I did think going back to D'Lo was an interesting choice. I did think that because he clearly was cold. I understand it's D'Angelo Russell. I understand he's making $30 million. I understand he's made some big shots for you, and he doesn't have a history for the Lakers of missing these moments. So I get that. And I think ultimately if I'm Darvin Ham, I probably do go back to D'Lo. But why not say Troy Brown, who already knocked in a couple of threes and defensively is certainly better than D'Angelo Russell. Certainly. 
now you're relying on somebody else to play make for you and all that. That's a fact. There's a lot that goes into it. But in terms of who's shooting well and who's not, D'Lo was not shooting the ball well. He was not hitting. And that did cost the Lakers down the stretch. Jim Wells said him is like is playing like it's the third game of the season. He doesn't have a good feel of the game. D'Lo in the last five minutes was a liability. Yeah, D'Lo was not good. Uh, inside the game said D'Lo's too inconsistent. We need Bron back. Oh, yeah. But look, you need LeBron back, but it was the Lakers without LeBron against the Mavs without Luka. Uh, again, you need two things to happen. You needed Anthony Davis to be the best player on the floor, and you needed the Mavs not to have an outlier three-point shooting game. And you got neither of those things. Frank Gonzalez, what are the chances the Lakers still have a shot at the play-in? Uh, good. Yeah, they, I mean, they're, they're the 10 seed right now. Uh, you need Utah and OKC, some teams around you to lose, but you are playing those teams as well. They still have a chance to get into the plan. But to me, it's do you choose to go there or not? Because it very much is, I think, at this point, a choice. They can go wherever it is they want to go. If they want to make a push and they want to put in the requisite effort to do so, they can do that. If they decide they are not going to put in that effort, if they decide they don't have it in them and they'd rather just be done, we're going to find out from them on the floor as well. We'll see that. David. So let's be honest, AD has not been reliable since the championship. He does not lock in every night. Bad habits should still try to make the play-in, but feels like a first-round exit at best. If you're getting this kind of inconsistency, yes, I think the top-end ceiling of this team is still high enough to make noise. But look, these last two games have done a lot, a lot, to remove any faith that Lakers fans had had. And again, that game against the Mavs, losing it in the same way you've lost games prior to the trade deadline, well, that really opened, reopened some old wounds. And a lot of Lakers fans are, are right there teetering on the edge with this team. And now it's up to the Lakers. It's up to, look, if you want fans to support you, give them something to be excited about. Give them something to cheer about. Give them something to be hopeful about. Don't show them what's tormented them all season and last season. Don't do this to them. Get the fans behind you. Give them something to cheer for. Victor, every time the Mavs needed a bucket, Kyrie answered, we need a bucket. AD passes the ball to, assuming you mean Schroeder, or D'Angelo Russell. He's not top five. AD, his ceiling is, AD's ceiling is certainly top five. AD, at his best, is an MVP caliber player. But yeah, the Lakers needed more offensively from AD down the stretch in this game. There's no question. I don't think you can have D'Lo and Schroeder jumpers be your offense down the stretch when it needs to be Anthony Davis, even if he has to get the ball out on the perimeter, get the ball, take it to the basket. Do it. Kadada, my man D'Lo let me down, but why him changed the lineup in the last minute or two also shows you uh, that Gabriel or Bamba should start next to AD. I mean, Wenyan Gabriel did well next to AD for quite a bit. I liked what we saw out of him. You can argue the Lakers should go completely back to the 2020 team where you had a true center next to Anthony Davis. AD's three-point shooting is the concern there. But if you bring in a three-point shooting big, you know I'm not saying he's available, but a Brook Lopez type, he's not available, but a Brook Lopez type, sure. I don't know if that means you would start Mobamba though. I don't know that he's high enough caliber of player to start him next to AD, but you would need to, because AD hasn't shot the three well since 2020, you need somebody who can space the floor for you in that in that role. Um, not that Jared Vanderbilt can much either, though. He's not been great shooting the the three. And I'll tell you what, Vando is um, Vando's very good, but he was like he was great when they played the Mavs and they had Luca. If you're playing the Mavs and he's going to be defending White Powell, he's going to be defending Maxi Kleba, who I know hit the the three to win the game and all that. But defending guys that aren't that high usage, it takes away some of his value on the floor, right? It's a little bit tough to ask Vando to defend Kyrie. He can probably defend threes, fours the best. So when you're asking him to go defend a guy who's not much of an offensive threat anyway, that takes away some of Vanderbilt's value to the team because what he's probably best at is giving a hard time to high usage players that are wings. That's, that's where he's going to help you the most. Uh, Victor said, a loss I can't put on him at all. This is AD. Nick said, I have to cheer for the Seas against Utah. And the Celtics are sitting a bunch of guys against Utah, too, which doesn't help. Uh, very hard loss. This is exactly the reason why I would prefer to have Kyrie over D'Lo next season. I know it's not entirely on D'Lo, 
but we need a closer who would get buckets in the last minute. Okay. I know I have some other comments on this and other people asking questions. By the way, the, uh, the Orlando Magic, as I'm recording this, just beat the Clippers. So look, that, that helps the Lakers, but if that's not proof that the Orlando Magic will beat you if you do not show up, I don't know what is. I don't know. The Magic just beat the Clippers. Again, if you do not show up against this Magic team, you will lose. Period. We're going to find out how interested in competing the Lakers are tomorrow against Orlando. Now, the D'Lo thing. Um, I would prefer to have Kyrie over D'Lo. Well, yes, look, if it was in a vacuum, Kyrie or D'Lo, who do you want? Kyrie, all, all day, every day. It's not close. Kyrie's a fantastic player. So why have I been saying I would rather keep this team? Because that's not the question. It isn't Kyrie or D'Lo. That's not the choice that you're making. It's D'Lo and all of your depth or Kyrie. And you build around LeBron, AD, and Kyrie. So let's do the math real quick. Okay, essentially, let's say, well, so you have two options to get Kyrie Irving. Okay, and I'm going to make this as, as quick and as painless as possible here. You have two options to get Kyrie Irving if you're the Lakers. Option one is with cap space. Okay, and you can sign Kyrie. He'll have to take a pay cut, but you can give him like $34 million. If Kyrie is dead set, and by the way, all of this is assuming Kyrie even wants to be a Laker. If he doesn't, then this is all a moot point. But let's assume Kyrie wants to be a Laker. If he wants to come to the Lakers and he wants to bad enough to give up money, he can pay, he can come for $34 million and it would be Kyrie, LeBron, and AD. The problem is, in order to clear that much cap space to give Kyrie that, goodbye D'Lo, goodbye Rui Hachimura, goodbye Austin Reeves. Maybe you could hang on to Max Christie. Uh, maybe Reeves because he has a small cap hold, but most likely, you're literally tearing goodbye draft pick this year. That's got to go. You don't have the money in the books to pay that. You have to jettison everything. That's not LeBron and AD. And then what do you have? So you would have Kyrie, LeBron, and AD. And you wouldn't even have a mid-level exception because you're a cap space team, right? You're signing Kyrie with cap space. So you don't have a mid-level exception. You have the room exception, which is going to be, off the top of my head, it's going to be like $5 million, something like that. And then bedroom minimums. That's your team. LeBron, AD, Kyrie, a player that you can get for... 5 million or so and veteran minimums. We've done that. We've seen that. Now, Kyrie is a much better fit than Russell Westbrook. I won't argue that. Kyrie's a tremendous player. Maybe you do get by and win a bunch of games. But my goodness, you have no depth. If LeBron gets hurt, if AD gets hurt, probably a good bet at this point. If Kyrie gets hurt, also probably a good bet. You're a team full of veteran minimums. That's option one to get Kyrie. Option two, which is what most Lakers fans turn to, is, well, you sign and trade D'Lo for Kyrie. So that would take Kyrie telling the Mavs, I'm leaving. I'm going to the Lakers. If you sign and trade me, you can at least get something in return. So let's say, because there's no question that Kyrie is better than, than D'Angelo Russell. Again, you know, that's fair. Let's say the Mavs say, D'Lo, Vanderbilt, your pick this year for Kyrie. Maybe it's a 2029 first, whatever. For Kyrie. Okay. Right? Now you can pay Kyrie the max. Let's say you sign D'Lo. It would have to be a double sign and trade. So you give D'Lo $30 million. Uh, Vando's in there. You may, you may have to toss in a contract. Maybe you guarantee the contract of, um, of Mo Bamba for $10 million. You throw that in. Maybe the Mavs are interested in that. Right? Anyway, Kyrie's making $45-ish million. So what's your roster at that point? Okay? Pretending there's nobody else. Just with AD, LeBron, and Kyrie, you've got about $140 million on the books next year. But you accepted a player via a sign-and-trade. That means you trigger a hard cap, which means you now have a ceiling at $170 million that you cannot exceed for any reason. And you're looking at your roster, and you have three players. Three players right now. So, what happens from there? Who do you want to keep? You want to keep Rui? You want to keep Austin? Who, who else are you going to try? Malik Beasley? Well, he's out. 16.5 million. Can't keep that. Gone. See you later. 
Austin. At least he's going to start at about 11 million. Okay. He's got a small cap hold. Let's say you do that. So you give Austin 11 million. Remember, you've got a hard cap. So not going to matter if you, you know, wait or whatever your order of operations, you can't exceed that hard cap no matter what. So let's say you give Austin 11 million. So now you're at 151 million. So you have $19 million left and you have four players on your roster. Four players. You've got 11 open roster spots to fill and $19 million to do it with. Let's say if your veteran minimum is $1.9 million, let's say it's that. Let's say you're getting a player with, with very little experience and you're giving them $1.9 million, which is about what Wendy and Gabriel is making this season. You can't even fill a 15-man roster. You can fill 14 roster spots and that's it. That's every, Everybody else is gone. Again, Mobamba, you put in a trade. Vanderbilt, you put in the trade. D'Lo, you put in the trade. But goodbye, Rui Hachimura. Goodbye, Troy Brown. Goodbye, Lonnie Walker. Goodbye, Dennis Schroeder. You're not going to have any money to pay any of those guys. It's all veteran minimums. Forget about having technically a taxpayer mid-level exception. You're probably not going to be able to use that. Right? Because you're not going to have enough money under the hard cap. You might even have to make a difficult decision and say goodbye, Austin Reeves. So again, you're looking at a team that is LeBron, AD, Kyrie, and not much else. That's the problem. That is the problem. It's just math. When people look at this and say, oh, just sign and trade d for Kyrie, and then you can keep all these guys around, you trigger a hard cap. You're not going to be able to keep these guys. You're not. Not when you've got to pay Kyrie $45 million. Now, if Kyrie said, hey, sign and trade and I'll play for 30 Okay, that opens up some space, some space, some wiggle room. Maybe it makes it a little more palatable. Okay, but how realistic is that? Not very. Not very. So, again, it comes down to, it's not D'Lo or Kyrie. It's all the depth or Kyrie. Do you want to go back to a big three roster build and a bunch of veteran minimums, no matter which path you take to get there, or do you want to have depth around LeBron and Anthony Davis? Personally, I prefer the depth. And look, Kyrie was damn good last night. He was fantastic. And I understand why Lakers fans would be looking at him saying, oh, yeah, we'd like that on our team. But there's a cost to doing it. And it's going right back to where we just were of having a bunch of veteran minimum guys on your team. A little bit longer than I thought it was going to be to explain that. But that's the issue facing the Lakers with any type of move to go get Kyrie. Avi B. D'Lo late went for a dumb home run three. Makeable, but bad shot. Yeah, I, I didn't like the shot, especially because he had been cold. If he hit it, we'd be celebrating it. He did not. Petros King said, I feel like this team is not as good as post-trade deadline as they've looked. They're playing like what they truly are now. Well, that's the question, right? Is the last two games indicative of what they really are? Or is it what we've seen prior to that? Is that more of the indication of what they are? Some of this can be chalked up to just not making shots, right? And there is a lot of variance in shot making. We talked about it in the NBA. It's a make or miss league. So there is going to be a lot of variance in that in field goal percentage and three-point percentage. We know that. But I feel like the sample size is still small to where we can't say for sure what this team is. I'm more optimistic that what we saw previously is closer to what they really are or what they really can be. Again, if D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley, instead of 0 for 9 from 3, if they're 3 for 9, which is still a terrible percentage, this is a very different conversation. Lakers fans are feeling much, much better right now. Again, you make a free, few free throws, and they're and we're feeling better, even if they didn't play well in the first half. Cortez, basketball gods are real. AD missed the game, knowing how important it is, and now he lost us this game. You have to do whatever is needed for the team. I, again, I hesitate to say that's on AD. I believe that was a Lakers decision to hold him out, but nonetheless, if it's anything to me, basketball gods, I look at missing all those free throws, I look at no showing the Houston game, the players who did play, not looking like they wanted to be out on the floor. That's the true offense to the basketball gods in my book. Duke, one more back-to-back -back left against the Jazz and the Clippers at the end of the season. If AD lets them sit him again, he needs to go. Again, I don't think it's AD's choice in the matter. Some people say, well, he should have that choice. He should be able to, but it's looking the farther we get here into the season, the more it's looking like AD is like those games are going to matter. 
the Jazz and the Clippers games are going to matter. We For a bit there, when the Lakers were winning, we thought, okay, well, maybe, you know, one of those games won't matter as much. I think both those games matter a lot right now. Richard, why didn't the Lakers sign anybody for the last roster spot? Uh, with LeBron out, especially AD not playing back-to-back, would help be better than no help. Especially a big, Richard, and I've talked all about this, but yes, I'm surprised, dismayed, that they didn't do it, particularly knowing AD wasn't playing back-to-backs. Why would you not? Why would you go into a game with Wenyan Gabriel as the only person even close to being a center? And you can argue whether or not Wenyan even is a center. That's insane. You have to add someone to this roster who can play the center position if you know Anthony Davis is out. Why, why stop? Why stop? Why hold off on adding someone who at least has the physical profile? So if you're getting crushed on the boards, Darwin at least has a large human being to turn to that's on the bench. Makes no sense. All even said the part that hurts the most about that play is Kyrie was doubled underneath the three-point line. How AD doesn't see that is troubling. Yep, it was a poor read. Again, multiple mistakes down the stretch from AD. Ricky Burt said, I don't believe you would have to gut your roster to get AD. This is the comment. This is why I wanted to go over why, even if it's a a double sign-in trade, because of that hard cap situation and because of what Kyrie would make, and you add that to what LeBron's making and what AD's making, you very quickly find yourself running into that ceiling, that hard cap to the point where you have to let a bunch of players go um, and you're not able to really replace them with quality players. You're talking about better minimum guys that you're bringing back in. That's why you would have to gut your roster because of the logistics of the hard cap and how much Kyrie would be making. Laker John, sixth and seventh is part of, probably out of the question. Can we still push for eighth with Anthony Edwards probably being out, but everything seems very gloomy. Yeah, again, the, the Lakers right now really should be, I think, tied for the sixth seed. Once again, they chose to no-show against Houston and then made some terrible choices mid-game last night that cost them. Otherwise, they would be right there. All right, and hopefully they still have an opportunity here. Ivan, we can still make the play in and still have hope, right? Yeah, there, there's definitely hope. Look, if they play the way they did these last two games, then it doesn't matter. If they make the play and they're going home. It's that simple. It doesn't matter if they play the way they played these last two nights. If they don't show up with the kind of desperation that the situation requires, they will go home. Um, That said, I'll admit that it's not easy to play with that kind of energy, that desperation every single night when you're playing every other day, sometimes playing back-to-backs. That's difficult. That that is difficult. But nonetheless, yes, they still have some hope. But they're hanging by a thread. They're hanging by a thread. Like I said, I think tomorrow against Orlando is going to give us an idea of what they have chosen to do, whether they've chosen to make a run or if they've chosen to start making their vacation plans. Uh, Jahir, the lights are bright in LA. I still believe though, I just do. I hope you're right, Jahir. I hope that they wind up making a push here and I hope that they start giving Lakers fans a team they can be proud of once again. Trevon said, superstars, uh, when you're in a game like this, a Kyrie is what's needed for the team. D'Lo is cool. However, there's a reason he's been bounced around. Again, it's not D'Lo versus Kyrie. I had people saying the same thing to me on Twitter, and I've been trying to explain. It's not D'Lo or Kyrie. It's depth or Kyrie. That's the question. It's not so much D'Angelo Russell. He's the guy you've got bird rights for. He's the contract you can keep around, but it's not a one-for-one swap. It's just not. Hugh Spades, is Beasley still worth bringing back in his price? Uh, Frankly, I would say no. By the way, Mark Stein... Uh, announcing right now, as I'm recording this, Anthony Edwards is out indefinitely for Minnesota. They are going to get Towns back soon. Carl Anthony Towns will be back soon, but Anthony Edwards. um, And by the way, I hate that. I never want to see a team lose players due to injury. I don't care if it helps the Lakers. Um, That's awful. And and I wish him a a speedy recovery. I want to see guys healthy and and on the floor, period. Uh, Beasley, is he worth $16.5 million? The way he's played so far for the Lakers, I think the answer is probably no. I do think that he's better than what we've seen. I do think that there is, um, there there should be regression games coming for him. But as a Laker, 15 games, he's shooting 34% from three. That's not good enough 
for a guy who's supposed to be a, a sniper for you, for a guy who's supposed to be a floor spacer. That's just not good enough. Um, while turning the ball over 1.3 times, scoring 12.4 points, and he's not going to be a, a plus on the defensive side of the ball. You need him shooting 37, 38, 39% from three. That's just, it's what you need from him. It's what you need. And right now the Lakers aren't getting that. So if you don't think you're going to get that from him moving forward, then 16.5 million is probably an overpay. Now it's an expiring contract. So maybe it's something you can use in a trade down the road. And again, I think he's more talented than this. Maybe if you're the Lakers and you believe in him and you believe that the shooting is going to come around, you use that as an opportunity to say, well, we're going to decline your option here, but we want to keep you around. We're going to do a two or a three-year deal at a lower rate. Maybe you can do something like that, and that helps your tax bill and, and all of that. Maybe there's something you do there, but based strictly on what we've seen so far, is he worth $16.5 million for one season? No. No. But I, I still am optimistic that there's better days ahead for him, but that optimism does wane a bit with each game. Uh, he was great against the Pelicans, though. Daniel Lee, if you have to make a free throw and the Martians had laser beams pointed at us on the fate of the universe on the line, would you rather have Anthony Davis or Kleba take the free throw? Kleba, 58% from the line. He makes all three. Anthony Davis, 80% from the line, makes one, misses one. Yeah, I mean, the percentages say AD, but he's consistently missed this season in crunch time. Bessie, best win streak for the Lakers this season is five. Highly unlikely they do a six-game winning streak with how they have been letting go of winnable games. What else can help? Yeah, I mentioned that I thought the Lakers, to make up for what they've done the last two, essentially need to go on a six-game win streak. Um, yeah, I'm not saying a six-game win streak is likely because it's not. But that's uh, just if you want to make up for what they've done, for the damage that they caused these last two games, it would take about a six-game win streak here. It would take going 6-0 and over the stretch instead of, say, 4-2. and That's what you have to do. And that's it. And what else can help? Nothing. We're too deep in the season. Yeah, they're, the only way you fix it is by going on a major win streak and winning games that you wouldn't have otherwise to make up for ones that you lost. And the Mavs game was doubly damaging because you lost a game to a competitor, to a team that's that you're fighting with for positioning. So, yeah, the only thing you can do is win. That's it. Winning cures all. Travis, AD shouldn't sit another back-to-back. -back. He owes us. Fortunately, there's only one more back-to-back. -back. But yeah, I I don't know the Lakers are going to be in position to sit him in that back-to-back. -back. I think that game is going to be really important. Darius, this game completely drained me. Me too, man. Me too. It was brutal. It's brutal. I mean, yeah. Not much else to say there. Engelbert. A tragic opening countdown down montage for these heartbreakers might help us get past the denial and coping stages. So, you know, the abyss head first style. So a, we've got the intro for Lakers Nation for the uh, the on the YouTube channel. It's, uh, you know, the Lakers celebrating the 2020 championship and, and all of that. And, um, so you're saying I need a negative one for bad games, kind of like to intro us into the negative space there. I don't I would just I would be so sad just even making that. <laughs> uh Wendell, when Reeves touched the ball, good things happen. Love his decision making. I trust him. Master lock the team for not recognizing. Yeah, I mean, I would have liked to have seen Reeves a little bit more involved down the stretch there. Not to say he didn't make mistakes and of course miss free throws, but he in general, good things tend to happen when he gets the ball. Anthony said it's time to trade AD for Kyrie. Sign and trade. Try to find a big to replace that brings defense and one that plays offense. It's sickening at this point. Hurt or shows up big, small in big moments. So you're saying go the other. Now that's that's a different story. If you want to talk about losing Anthony Davis's 40 million on the books for next year and replacing that with Kyrie, that's a different story. Now I'm not saying that's the path I would choose, but that would be a very different story in terms of the cap and what you can do and what you can't do in terms of blowing up your team and all of that. That's a completely different story. Assuming you're not trading LeBron and AD for Kyrie, that's where you get into the whole, you've got to jettison the rest of your team, essentially, to make it happen. Doc Geo, I literally just burned, I hope he doesn't mean literally, just burned all my Lakers gear that has been accumulated over 36 years. Great job, guys. Keep up the good work, though. I'm done with the Lakers and NBA. Also gave up season tickets. Well, Doc, that would very much be a knee-jerk reaction to a very bad, admittedly, again, a very bad, very painful 
very unnecessary night from the Lakers. Um, and I understand why a lot of people would be upset, but I hope it's a little bit hyperbolic that you're not really doing all of that stuff. Um, I think that would be a little bit drastic. Just Beasy said, Travis, I'm sick to my stomach after this game. It took literally one minute and 35 seconds to turn my face from a smile into instant devastation. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I, I get devastated when people don't remember my name. So imagine how I feel right now since my name's not Travis. I don't really care. I'm just kidding. But um, yeah, I, I get it. Look, Lakers fans should see it, feel sick. They, they should. They should be absolutely upset at what happened. I think that is entirely justified. Are there moments where Lakers fans overreact? Yes, just like any fan base. It happens, of course. But given what was on the line, given the opportunity that was in front of them, I do not think fans are overreacting right now. Senpai, at what point do we start to actually worry about the team shooting? This is another night where they can't hit threes, shoot average, and we win handily. Yeah, especially when you're looking at you know the guys that are shooting. Malik Beasley, good three-point shooter, not shooting well. D'Angelo Russell, good three-point shooter, three games in a row, not shooting well. We knew regression was coming for D'Lo because he had shot really, really hot for the Lakers so far. And so you knew he wasn't going to keep that up, and I talked about that, but there was some hope that it wouldn't be this drastic of a drop-off. I mean, if you look, D'Lo, uh, three for nine from three against New Orleans, three for 11 for three against Houston. So that's six for 20 right there, and then 0 for six in this one. Six for 26 from three in his last three games. And uh, yes, I am breaking out the calculator to do the math on that. That's 23% from three. 23% over his last three. Now, he was 54%, 62% in the two games before that. So you knew regression was coming, but you were hoping it wouldn't be this steep of a drop-off. But it's frustrating, for sure. Kidada, how can Lonnie be your third, be third in scoring before the trade deadline, yet not play anymore? Ham's stupid to not give him more minutes. Well, who are you removing to give him minutes? Like, are you taking because Troy Brown is a better defender than Lonnie, and Troy Brown has been hitting the three, and I think he just he doesn't get lost as much defensively. So, do you need Lonnie, who can create a 15 foot jumper for you, or do you need Troy, who can defend better on the wings, better reading the defense, better switching? and can occasionally knock in a three for you. Lonnie can occasionally knock in a three as well, but I understand the choice the Lakers are making. I also say if their offense is really bogging down and you're really struggling, which we've seen in some moments, yeah, why not throw in Lonnie and see if he can go on a quick like 7-0 burst on his own because he can do that sometimes. Um, but I don't... I know we tend to, when things are going poorly, we tend to look at the bench and say, oh, well, our solution is right there, there, and there. Those guys should be playing and that would fix everything. I don't know that that's the case with, with Lonnie. I, not that I'm against Lonnie or anything like that, but I just I don't know that he's the solution for what ails the Lakers. Anthony, I get it. We love Austin Reeves, but he had a bad game for the most part. I don't think I agree with that. As well, Malik Beasley can't buy a three consistently. I think the summer will be a shakeup. I'm over the AD phase. Well, that is something the Lakers have to decide upon. Do you continue with this with Anthony Davis or not? And maybe the next... 11 games will decide that, decide what they do with AD. Daniel said, AD clearly isn't good enough to be a first option. Who do you think could fit that mold? I mean, what, there's a dozen players around the NBA that can be your true first option? Getting those guys is not easy. I think Anthony Davis has the physical talent to do it. But at some point, the Lakers, first of all, the Lakers have to force him the ball. And second of all, AD has to demand the ball and just, go and be that first option and do it particularly late in the game because let's face it ad even attacking a dallas defense that's that's loaded up to try to stop him is better than delo shooting a jumper or Schroeder shooting a jumper because at worst at worst the mavs are going to double or triple ad you swing the ball a couple of times and you're going to get a wide open look instead of a contested look and i thought the lakers didn't capitalize on that or get uh, ad going nearly enough Bureau, can we stop jacking up threes, please? And Why can't AD play like the best player on the floor? Because he is. Yeah, it's frustrating. Again, they needed AD to be the best player on the floor tonight, last night, and he was not. Bahad Muhammad said, shall we fill the last roster spot with a center? They should. They definitely should. 
Dean said, this is painful, but I want us all to remain calm and not throw away all the good things this team has been doing. We don't want to make the same mistake that was made after the 2020-2021 season. You know, that, that's a good thought for level-headedness there, right? That because of two bad games, you shouldn't just burn everything to the ground. And I think that's true. I think that is true. I think the path forward is with the current group, but your expectations should be higher of this current group. You can't just say, well, oh, well, they didn't play well or, or whatever. No, this group is better than this. I'm confident saying that. Koshin, why is Ham not allowing Rui to cook? I think Wenyan was just having such a strong game. That's why Rui lost some minutes. Somebody had to lose minutes. Um, but Rui, I thought was good. I, I didn't have a problem with what Rui was doing for the Lakers. And I think that um, he certainly didn't do anything to cost himself minutes. Sean, is it time to change up the starting lineup? I mean, we've talked about why Darwin would stick with this starting five, particularly once LeBron comes back. Beasley makes even more sense. But if he's not hidden, I mean, like you can kind of get there just by throwing more minutes to Austin, period. But it's tough seeing guys just not hit shots in, in the starting group. That's for sure. Daniel, Lakers can't close out games. The ending was depressing. This was either the third or fourth game this season they've lost to a buzzer beater. Yeah, it's and, and again, that's part of why I started off talking about reopening old wounds. And this is, it was the, I mean, eerily similar play to the one that lost the game against Indiana. This Lakers, I mean, you look at, the Lakers have had four games taken away by the officials this year, at least. Um, four games where a missed call, right at the end of the game, changed the outcome of the game. That's what I'm talking about. So you've lost four games that have been taken by referees. How many games have the Lakers just done the Deshaun Jackson, like I said earlier, and dropped the ball on the one-yard line in? A lot. There's been multiple games this season. So I'm not saying it's as easy as saying add four more wins and then plus a handful of more games where they just gave it away. Because look, every team gives away games at some point. It happens in the NBA even if you won half the games that you really should have, changes so much about this team, their record currently. And that's why I keep thinking this team is probably better than what their record indicates because they've had so much misfortune befall them late in games. And again, I'm not trying to absolve them from that criticism. That's It's on them, except you know the referees, the referee situation isn't on them, but the games that they fumbled away, that's on them. Good teams don't fumble away games like that. Not often, and the Lakers have done it a lot this year. They've had so many opportunities to be much higher in the standings than they are right now. Jared LeBron is probably fuming. Yeah, he's relying on this team to get them to the playoffs so he can come back and do something. Last two games showed that didn't look very important. Maddie James, I don't want to watch any Laker games just due to these kind of games. Can't handle my hopes being crushed. I understand. Games like this are devastating. There's no doubting that. And I know a lot of you know, a lot of people feel that way right now. 361 said, lack of maturity. No way we should have lost to the Rockets. And AD has not been, exce been excelling for his attributes. He gets 28 and 12 in his sleep. And for him, that's average. Um, he shrunk in the presence of Kyrie. I mean, AD needed to be the best player on the floor. He was not. Kyrie was. Okay. I don't know how much that helped. <laughs> I don't know if anybody feels better after getting through all that. Um, maybe a little bit. The problem is I can't really rationalize it and say, well, there's better days ahead because I really don't know what the mentality of this team is going to be from here. I think they're talented enough to do something. I think they're talented enough to make some noise. I think they can be the proverbial team no one wants to see in the postseason. But these last couple of games have been unnerving, have been concerning. There's no question. And so now we wait and we find out what's going to happen on Sunday against Orlando. Again, the Magic just beat the Clippers. Orlando is going to be on the second night of a back-to-back, -back, though. If you look at Orlando and you see a team that is an automatic win, you're going to lose. And that's my fear for the Lakers. Do they come out pissed off, angry, and do what we know they can do? Do they play to the level we know they can play at? If they don't, I think that's a sign that maybe the game against the Mavs broke them. Unfortunately, that's a possibility. I really hope that's not the case, though. 
I hope we see a fired up, angry Lakers team that goes out and wins by 20 plus. That's within the realm of possibility. That's a very real outcome that we could see. And that's what I'm hoping we see. Because that would give me a lot more confidence moving forward that this team isn't going to just say, okay, we messed up a couple of games and now we're done. So let's start planning our vacation. I want to see a team that's going to fight. And we'll see what they bring against Orlando. All right, everybody. I'm going to wrap things up there. Thank you guys for joining me. A little extra weekend edition of the podcast. Hopefully it wasn't too depressing, but give me your thoughts in the comment section. If you're over on YouTube, give us that five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts if you're listening to the podcast version. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe.